Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Future Proof the marketing podcast from Said Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. In each episode, we'll have a frank discussion with industry experts to help brands and business leaders navigate the changing landscape of marketing and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research at the Said Business School. I'm Jane Bloomfield. I'm Head of Business Development at Kantar. Today's podcast is about the news industry and, and particularly thinking about the digital transformation of that industry and also, of course, where that uh, fits in with respect to advertising. And so we're going to talk with uh, a leading industry expert uh, about this topic. And so I'm very pleased to welcome uh, our guest today, Seth Rogan, who's the president and CEO of Nucleus Marketing Solutions, which is uh, a company based out of New York, and Seth's joining us from New York. Prior to that, Seth was uh, the Chief Revenue Officer at Mashable, a uh, digital news organization, and uh, before that, the VP of Advertising at the New York Times, which I'm sure you've all heard of. Seth is also an Associate Fellow with us at the Side Business School at Oxford. Seth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. To kick us off, Seth, so I think, as Andrew said, we're going to talk a bit about news and the future of news. I thought it would be worth just referencing some research we've done at Kantar uh, about trust in news and to give you some food for thought. And we see that amongst news audiences in general, uh, more people, so over 39%, are using greater numbers of news sources than ever. Do you think that means that the future of news is, is really, really healthy? Or do you think that news has a bit of an image problem and something that we should be worried about? Yeah, I think that what that makes reference to, the idea that people are consuming from more sources than ever, says people are hungry for news. And what it, I believe it also would likely reflect is that consumers are not sure what sources they should trust these days that the internet has given us a wide array of options, but it also hasn't given us a good level of authority to understand, a good filter to understand exactly which sources are trustable and which aren't. And if you think of the legacy news businesses, which are probably or have until recently been the most trusted brands in news, those are the businesses that are suffering the most because they have the most cost to, uh, to execute, that shoe leather, firsthand journalism, costs money. And however, it costs money because it is a valuable enterprise. It's valuable to society. It's valuable to consumers. So I think the future of news for consumers 
for consumer demand is strong. The question is, is the future of news as a business as strong as it is as a consumer product? Um, will consumers pay for that content on their own? Will advertisers continue to fund the journalism that they have funded for generations? Or does the entire business model need to be rethought? Big questions. So, so what, uh, what do you think? So on the business side, and, and, and obviously thinking in terms of um, the sort of the ad-supported uh, business model as, as the um, sort of the status quo, what, what do you see the future of here? And in your organization, in your company with Nucleus, what are you doing with respect to that? So let's take a step back and think of what's brought us to this place. Uh, for generations, advertisers funded the journalism that society needed not out of any great belief in the nobility of news because they're business people, but because it was the best way to access large audiences at scale and to have a good understanding of the context and the kinds of people they were reaching. It was, in essence, an early day of the current data-based targeting that we see in digital media today. And then the main transformation of digital news media, I think we all know, happened when places like the major platforms, the, the duopoly and a couple of their friends uh, sold the misperception that um, you can reach the same readers that news was reaching. You can have the same level of large scale connection. You can have the same uh, uh, level of scale, but you could have added uh, uh, levels of precision in targeting at lower costs and have the same value of connection. And the part of that that I dispute is that last part that the value of the connection is the same. When I'm, as a consumer, reading news, I trust the news that I'm choosing to read, and therefore there is an implied trust with the brands that are advertising next to that content. There's a reason why we don't see luxury brands advertising in non-luxury environments, even to this day. That's because they are the most cautious about their brand equity. And yet what we've seen these days and what we've seen for the last decade is that advertisers have been sold this idea that they don't need to support journalistic environments to get the high quality connection because the precision is more important than the context. And what I believe we're about to see and what Nucleus is bringing forward is a rebalancing of that equation, that context is as important as the precision. I can be very precise in reaching you with a message, but if I do it in the wrong environment or a strangely unexpected environment, I might actually upset the level of trust you have in the brand that I'm marketing. And so let me give you a little background on what it is that Nucleus is doing today. What we've done is look to reset that equation by changing the marketplace. We are true disruptors in terms of how advertisers and the news industry work together. We've united the audiences of all of the most important hometown news brands in America as one. We believe that's a model for the world. Uh, in doing so, we've created one set of data as a national play, as a national opportunity for brands that rivals the scale of some of the biggest platforms, but has none of the brand risk elements, none of the chance, none of the wild west of the social media and user generated platforms. So that it gives real respect to both reader, consumer, but it also gives real respect to the advertiser and the covenant of trust between them. Do you think the advertisers today are a bit confused and frustrated. Yes, I think being CMO these days has to be one of the scariest jobs. Let's go back to what was the job of CMO even 15 or 20 years ago? It was to select amongst the couple of television options, the couple of outdoor and newspaper options that existed, 
And now you have the entire planet at your fingertips through DSPs and through other buying platforms. And so in essence, a CMO has to be aware of thousands of options. And that's why I think we see the rise of consultancies and the rise of, of uh, data focused buying because it's simply too big an ocean to boil. So being a CMO these days means you are inspiring the mission of the brand, you're inspiring the performance in many ways of the brand, but you're also having to make deeply critical strategic choices in how the investments are made of the brand itself. And so what I believe CMOs need more than anything else these days, it isn't more data, it's more clarity. They need to be able to use and glean insight from the data that they have and know that they're having trustable data rather than just more scale. Uh, being a CMO these days has to be one of the most frightening jobs around. What, what's the future of brand safety then in that context as well? When we talk at Nucleus about preserving brands, we talk about more than just being brand safe. We believe there's an element that should be brought to the conversation about being brand smart, that wisdom is part of the fiduciary responsibility of every CMO. The idea that the brand should not just be safe, meaning kept away from controversial content like terrorism or uh, 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 lascivious content. It's something more than that. It's about choosing the right environments that actually execute best to actually to enhance the brand, to bring that covenant of trust forward. And we talk a lot about that phrase, the covenant of trust, because we believe the trust does not end for news organizations at the newsroom door, that both the consumer and the advertiser should know that the element of trust that comes across from us is one that extends to every part of that news industry, part of the news business. So that when an advertiser is buying media on some of the news platforms that Nucleus represents, or even some of our competitors or colleagues around the world, they're getting an adjacency to content that is meant to civically engage, to entertain, to not drive divisions in society, to not drive prejudice in society, um, to really enhance. If you look at the mission statement of the New York Times, one of their first phrases is that they intend to enhance society. And I think that is key. And it's easy to look at a statement like that and say, well, digital technology will solve all of that. And I truly do believe, as someone who is, is very much a tech native, that digital technology will enhance that process of selecting the best and most wise choices for media. But there will always be a human element. And the reason for that is understanding that when you're investing media, just like when you're investing in a company, you're investing in the management, you're investing in the staff, and you're investing in their standards of execution. And so I think the best brands, the smartest brands, are the ones who buy not just around safety, but are using the best of technology, things that can read using natural uh, language processing, things that are uh, uh, now looking at viewability in different ways, understanding all of the elements that drive the best environment and the best execution, so that it isn't just about precision, but it's about precision with quality. That together leads to a, a, a brand smart environment. So I'm sort of taking out that trust in journalism and brands is crucial to how news audiences view the world. And when we've looked at, at trust in news here at Cantor, we see that trust in mainstream news beats online. So in fact, and, and you mentioned the New York Times, printed news magazines and, and newspapers are the most trusted news source. We see 72% of consumers 
citing them as, as their most positive source of news. And that's closely followed by things like TV and, and television, but actually conversely, just 33% of, of consumers who we've spoken to view social media as, as a trustworthy news source. So you talked about digital tech and how that can help. And, and you talked a little bit about augmented reality and things. I'd love to just explore that a little bit further and say, what do the online news sources, what can they do to help build that trust and, and sort of raise that profile? Well, yeah, let's discuss that. But I, but I, I think you just tapped on something that uh, uh, I'd like to disagree with you on for a moment, which is the fact that 70 something percent of people view legacy news brands as their most trusted source and around 30 percent or more trusting social media is actually, to me, a horrible stat. Uh, to me, that says that we have a very serious issue because when you think of uh, uh, the divisions that are building in societies around the world right now, and you have, that means about one out of three people trusting news more than that is being shared with them without any uh, legitimizing of source, that actually is how technology has helped to drive divides in some ways, right? By amplifying content that isn't certified, that isn't created by a, a first-hand journalist. So I think that is one challenge. When it comes to, to answer your question, though, about the, these, the digital native news organizations, some of which absolutely are deserving of our esteem and our trust, it's, it's really about earning that. And I do think that there's an element of this which is about driving some certification of understanding what's being shared. And I think that we'll see more awareness of that coming soon uh, uh, in the industry around the world, that what we share reflects who we are as individuals but we need to know who's generating what we're sharing. I've been really excited by the work of a company called Poet, uh, which is using blockchain technology, uh, not in a crypto sense, but in a security sense that, ch that actually changes the way news is transacted uh, on social media. So they actually use the blockchain to understand who is creating the content itself, which journalist and which person, which individual is sharing it and creating uh, an, an inseparable lock between them so that the reader and the sharer can be sure of the kinds of content that's being distributed. To me, that's where technology can enhance trust. And that's, that's where I'm so excited because I believe as though we've been, as an industry, a bit in, in a, a stone age of data, excuse me, a, a golden age of data, but a, a stone age of insight. And, and now there's an opportunity for us to glean, uh, um, to really understand from the data that we're seeing how it can work to enhance society and not just drive profitability for profitability's sake. And please don't misunderstand me. I know that we're all in a business and nobody can deposit the nobility of the news industry in the bank. What I'm saying is I truly believe we generate a better ROI. We generate a better ROAS by using the best of technology, by using things like blockchain, uh, uh, like some of the natural language processing software that's coming out now. Some of those platforms are going to revolutionize the way that we think about brand wisdom to make sure that brands can be smarter about where they place their campaigns. Because I believe at some point there will be a shareholder lawsuit of some shareholder who says, I can't believe you took the money I invested in your company and you ran that on that horrible platform that has an uncontrollable amount of video so that it can't be filtered. Or you ran the, uh, the brand uh, campaign for the company that I invested in uh, on a social media platform and you had no idea what sort of adjacency there would be. I think that's the next wave of, of tech influence is to protect brands and to protect consumers as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What, what about at sort of the the other end of the, the spectrum to sort of a CMO who sort of sees this instead of kind of diving in and, and um, or, or gleaning into the, the data says, you know what, this is too complicated. Uh, I, I just need to, to go back to the old fashioned way of doing it. I, I imagine you would, you would disagree with that approach and, and I do too, but, but it seems that there's a lot of moving parts here now. Is there, is there a way to, to sort of simplify it or at least distill it into you know, a few key components. Or is this actually what the technology can do? They can sort of basically you say, I've got to trust this platform or trust this set of media organizations, trust this DSP and so on and so forth. And, 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 and that's it. So it kind of simplifies the buying process once you kind of understand that you're buying into this sort of more complex constellation of technologies. I think you just, you just answered the question perfectly, which is to say, that understanding the standards are what drives the performance of the technology. So that the better and more deep uh, uh, recognition and absorption within an organization, a marketing organization, of what their true KPIs are, will drive better performance of the technology. I think some of the problem that we have today is that if the only drive is for next week's report, the next week's spreadsheet that we all have to fill out, which every business has that as part of the element uh, of performance, then we're going to always be buying for the short term, buying media for the short term and using our technology, driving it. But as many people have said before any of us, the technology will only be as good and as smart as the people creating it. And the marketers who better understand their KPIs to both create short term results, but also long term brand equity are the ones who will buy based on those KPIs and feed those into a buying platform for digital media. And so that's where the technology actually, Andrew, I think actually does bring more simplicity that it, without the technology, buying in this environment would be impossible. I would love to see a marketer who's one of the ones who these days often stands on stage as, as, as a world marketing leader who says, we want to support quality content, actually put that as a standard into their buying platform because that's where the true decisions get made. And do you think that that technology is is sort of set up to to adapt and evolve? I guess you know if you think about changing you know reading habits and you know reaching different audiences, um, do you think that the future of news and, and advertising on these channels is is in good hands? I think that when you spoke earlier today about the diversity of sources that are available, that the bulk of journalism is in good hands because to come back to the philosophy that I created 
uh, uh, more than 20 years ago, the idea of mission-based media, meaning journalism that is objectively intended and meant to educate and drive civic engagement. That's the kind of journalism that I want to support in my career, and that's the kind of journalism that I believe most journalism students want to support. But there is another element to the journalism business, which is the business side of it. And there is a way to cash in on disinforming and misinforming large swaths of people. And the more that news becomes something that needs to be purchased, the more attractive some of the disinforming sources can be. And so it is important for all of us as consumers, whether you're consuming the news digitally or, or, or through uh, uh, television or even still in print, as many millions of people still are, uh, that they're conscious of who creates that journalism because there will always be someone who's interested in disinforming and misinforming. And what's really important is that we understand who our sources are. And that puts the responsibility back on us as consumers. But it also says there's a responsibility for marketers because I believe there are two kinds of ROI. There's the return on investment, the standard one that we all learn in business school. And then there's a second one, which is what I call the return on intolerance. The choice that is made on how much to the edge a brand is willing to go to make a profit. For me, I believe that, the, that the, the calculation of return on intolerance is going to be something that will manifest itself over the coming years. And you're starting to see uh, social movements to drive people away from more intolerant content. But I also think we need to be wary of that, that if we're using technology to filter content, we can wind up being censors ourselves, and that's not something we want to do. And that's why a human element empowering the data and empowering the technology a human element at the rudder will always be key. I think you touched on something actually that, that's really interesting there, and that is about the sort of financial predicament of news organisations today, which I think is probably a concern for both consumers of news, you know, in that, that some of these platforms may not exist moving forward, so therefore their choice is diminished, but it's also a concern for advertisers as, as well as the news organisations themselves. And, and you talked a bit, well, we've talked a bit throughout our podcast today about the answer to that. And I, I would love to get your thoughts on kind of the under 35s and a sort of younger generation, if you might, because I'm not under 35 anymore. And, you know, do they provide some of the answers in, in how they behave and how they consume news today and, and how they, you know, their, their digital behaviour sort of guides the way they live their lives? So one of the biggest surprises that we found in creating Nucleus, which unites 220 or so sites that generate uh, uh, mission-based or objectively intended journalism around the United States, is that we actually reach more millennials than BuzzFeed and Snapchat combined. And that none of that is by our numbers. Those are by outside uh, audience figures. And, and it was a great discovery. The other thing that we discovered is that we generate more video content and more video views than some of the most powerful and popular video platforms in the country and on earth. And so that reflects that there is a hunger for the kinds of content and, and, and journalism that's being created and that it is being generated very much from the younger generation who's seeing what's going on in the world, but also to understand that much of the way news has been monetized for generations has been in the non-hard news content that still has great credibility, whether it's fashion reviews, movie reviews, theater, restaurants, travel, lifestyle, cooking, all of those things that we still want to know that we trust the source. And there is an implication that a news environment is of the highest regard in terms of finding the best thought leaders, the best writers around that sort of content. 
And we're actually seeing a surge in, in millennial readership so that we're outperforming some of the most youth-based platforms because everybody wants to know what's going on in their world. Also, news organizations have a great monetization opportunity, and it's one we're seeing at Nucleus as well, in sports. And because the news organization in your hometown is where you're likely to turn for uh, the recent sports scores for deeper insight, whether those be uh, uh, school-based team sports or all the way up to the professional and global leagues, in any case, you're turning to a news organization to learn about that. And the funding that comes in from the advertising on sports helps to support that serious journalism on a regular basis. When I was at the New York Times, we used the journal, the, the funding that came in from things like luxury advertising to support coverage of wars, to support coverage of very serious issues. There are very few advertisers who come to us and say, put me next to all of the war content, right? Readers are looking to consume all sorts of content and the less hard news content helps to fund the hardest news and the most civically important content. And in doing that, we're providing a real service to the youngest of readers who are coming to us. And that also weighs in on the responsibility of ourselves and our marketers to make sure that we're customizing messaging and environments that are suitable for them as well. This, it seems to have become, in some sense, sort of conventional wisdom that younger people don't want to be exposed to ads. I, I, I'm curious what, what you guys are actually seeing in the data when ads are being uh, served to, to this group of people. Yeah, we're not seeing the wave of ad blocking that you might expect when reading the conventional wisdom, to use your phrase. However, it's always going to be a concern. And I always come back to uh, the experience that I have when reading a, a great fashion magazine. If you look at the September issue of Vogue, people view the advertisements as important as the journalism that's within it itself. And so the greatest environments have figured out how to capitalize on great marketing and to drive great creative amongst their brands so that it enhances the experience. So while we don't see the blocking uh, uh, in a huge volume today, uh, it's a low percentage that we uh, feel are blocking our, our ads on most of our sites. I do think it has to be something that the industry has to be vigilant about. However, I, I should say this. What we are seeing is that different kinds of ad content drive different kinds of engagement levels. And we are seeing more and more about technology that can better understand which consumer uh, responds to which kinds of advertising formats. So, for instance, if I can better identify that you respond better to a video ad than an audio ad, then I can make sure that that's what I'm delivering to you so that hopefully the environment and the experience is actually more welcoming to you, more enjoyable, but also it's going to drive better response for my advertisers and better funding for the journalism that I work every day to support. So just to wrap up, I get what we've talked about today is that I think, you know, you can get a sense that the global news industry has kind of caught in a perfect storm of deficit. It's a deficit of attention, do you know, as people consume uh, media in different ways, a deficit of revenue as print circulation, advertising spend declines, and a deficit of trust, as we've talked about. So in your opinion, you know, kind of what's the opportunity then for the next five years? I would say watch this space for technological innovation. You're going to see a deepening of the precision of the kinds of data tools that the, that the news industry brings to market. You're going to see more sophistication and more innovation. There's a new wave of technology innovators that are being incubated right now to create solutions for the next generation of news producers. You will see innovation in terms of the formats as well. 
I believe that augmented reality will drive a new revolution in the way that people are consuming content about the environment around them. Uh, I believe that you will see a different kind of technology help me to understand and algorithmically control the kinds of content, who I trust, what it is that I want to see, but also balance that without keeping me in a bubble of only hearing the content that flatters my own opinion. These are the challenges that are up in front of the news industry today, and technology can play a huge part of it. Data can take a huge uh, role as a solution as well. But in the end, it will come down to each of us understanding what our goals are. News, to me, is an industry unlike any other, maybe like medicine at best, in that it has a civic and a human value at the same time that it needs to be a business as well. And the most important thing that we can do is make sure that we are holding people accountable. And the best journalism is the oxygen of democracy. That's what we want to make sure is that the oxygen continues to flow. And the only way that can continue to flow is if both the business side and the mission side are succeeding as one. The stakes have never been higher. You've been listening to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School and Kantar. Find more episodes and related content at uk.kantar.com or at sbs.org oxford.edu. Thank you.